0: Hey everybody, you're listening to the Tough Like a Girl podcast. I'm Nathaniel.
1: And I'm Liz,
0: And this is the show where we take a look at graphic novels and trade collections with female protagonists. And, uh, you know, I don't know how to intro this other than to say today we're doing Daughters of the Dragon, uh, the first, or at least first that I'm aware of. If there was one published before this, I don't know it. Uh, But this is the trade collection titled Samurai Bullets. And that title should probably tell you quite a bit about the tone of the thing. Um, So before we get into plot synopsis, Liz, you actually, when I reminded you this was on the docket, you asked this to be bumped up.
1: I did. And I did actually like it. Um, I have comments.
0: We'll, <laughs> we'll, we'll get to that. So, so, you had a familiarity with...
1: Oh, I had a familiarity with Misty mainly, though I have seen... Um, so, I've watched both seasons of Luke Cage, um, and I like both seasons. I know you have more reservations about them than I do, and I really like the character of Misty, so I wanted to do this because she is one of the two characters featured in it. Um, I've seen... Seen her um in a few episodes um when she crosses over um colleen yeah um, and i like their dynamic together so i was also eager for that um so i liked colleen as well
0: you never watched iron fist but you did see her when she turned up in the defenders yes okay
1: and didn't she i feel like she showed up in an episode or two of luke cage i could be wrong
0: don't I mean, maybe.
1: I can't. Remember. I, a lot of a lot of the Marvel Netflix stuff
0: has bled together.
1: for me. Yeah, I would agree.
0: But anyway, so this particular book, um, it is written by Jimmy Palmiotti and Justin Gray. Uh, the art is penciled by Carrie Evans and inked by Jimmy Palmiotti. Uh, color by Christina Strain. Lettering by Dave lanfear of Art Monkeys. Uh, Assistant editor was Nathan Cosby, and the editor was Mark uh, Panicia. So, boy, Daughters of the Dragon. This, okay, let's just be upfront. The tone of this, the tone and the vibe of this is very 70s exploitation. Mm-hmm. It is leaning very hard into the and like to be fair the, this is sort of the background where these characters originate from not necessarily these characters specifically but definitely the books they came out of mm-hmm. because Luke Cage which I'm pretty sure is where Misty started was very much started as a black exploitation hero and Colleen getting her connections with characters like Iron Fist that was very much a you know going in on the kung fu craze of around the same time Mm-hmm. So pairing these th- t- pairing these two together which makes which is about as natural fit as Luke Cage and Iron Fist who are paired together all the time.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: It is you could argue it's being very true to the origins or the uh, the very least the ancestry of the characters to be going for a you know <laughs> sort of very very rough and tumble very um quick talking hard hitting uh not necessarily
1: ridiculous villains yeah
0: not necessarily politically correct a lot of over-the-top stuff
1: and costumes
0: we'll get to the costumes uh kind of vibe (laughs) to it
1: like you're holding me back
0: i i'm trying to build to it (laughs) because i know you will have words on the costumes
1: some of them are somewhat kind words we'll,
0: we'll get there so in this colleen and misty are bounty hunters so they are grabbing people who have jumped their bail um, for the bounty. So this is actually the real-world the real occupation of a bounty hunter, as opposed to the you know the more fantastical version we get sometimes, where it's like, I'll pay this much money for someone to give me the... No, it's not that. It's what actual bounty hunters are in real life. Not to claim any degree of realism on this thing, but I'm just, I'm just <laughs> saying their occupation is okay. one that actually exists. So they get um, brought in to deal with a actually a small collection of bail jumpers of very <laughs> bottom tier villains. So there's Humbug, who I think I'd heard of but I'd never seen before. There's Freezer Burn, who I'd never even heard of. There was Eight Ball, who I'd heard of but never seen. Uh... <laughs> and there's Whirlwind. Now these four guys break into what they think is just the apartment of some rich ingenue. Like, she's famous, so she's got stuff, and who cares? Let's steal her things. Well, it turns out that the the woman who they stole from... She's got ambitions beyond, like, her fashion magazine and whatnot that she that she owns. Oh, and it's probably worth noting, at the time that this was written, fashion magazines were still a thing. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> but she has a lot of underworld ambitions. And so rather than going to the police, she puts a hit out on them. So now we have Misty and Colleen trying to track these guys down at the same time as they are being bumped off.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, and... So you have, naturally, all the fights and the conflict that come up with that. Eventually, they uncover what's going on with this uh, woman, and they get in on that, and mayhem ensues. Lots Mm -hmm. and lots of mayhem.
1: And we meet lots of more ridiculously (laughs) suited and named villains.
0: There are a lot of bottom-tier villains in this book, Um, and I had fun informing you that all of them are real and, like, none of them, so far as I know, were invented for this book. Except, I mean, like, the primary villain that they use, uh, the this woman.
1: Spoiler alert. <laughs> Very oh,
0: That Spoiler alert that the woman who's out to kill all the low-tier men is actually the villain <laughs> of the piece. No, I'm not even going to count that as a spoiler. Um,
1: oh, you are saucy.
0: <laughs> but, again, like, it's not the kind of story where you're expecting a big surprise twist. You're expecting... No. People just to go nuts on each other. And there's plenty of that. So, yes, you said overall
1: that you enjoyed it. it. Um, I liked the humor of it. I really enjoyed meeting all these bottom-tier villains and how ridiculous their costumes and names were. Um, I I, liked their friendship and um, the rapport that... um, misty and colleen had um just the back and forth yeah um they they have have a very appreciated that
0: they have Um, a very well-established dynamic you can tell they've been doing this for a while which i always appreciate
1: i liked otis
0: oh okay yeah so i didn't mention otis otis is their new
1: secretary yeah yeah so
0: because because they have a tendency to be hunting down
1: Be out on the job.:
0: Yeah, they, they have a tendency to be hunting down not just bail jumpers, but in some way super-powered bail jumpers. They've been burning through a lot of assistance, and so they get sent. Oh, yeah Otis. Now, Otis is a nerdy little, over-enthusiastic dweeb who's also indestructible
1: yeah he doesn't have super strength he no he no, no. doesn't have really he's just as indestructible yeah
0: you just you cannot kill you can't even really hurt him he can't really hurt you back because he's this little twig of a runt uh-huh.
1: but you can't hurt him mm-hmm.
0: and that I don't obviously think he's gonna comes even
1: down. hurt his feelings Really, so <laughs>
0: <laughs> that, that's not related to his superpowers, but yes, he does seem to have a
1: a he's pretty a punching pretty, bag in multiple ways. Yeah,
0: he's pretty uh, ironclad across the board. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, okay. So I don't know if I'm gonna get a chance to mention him at any other point, but you know, if you if you're if you're scraping the bottom of the barrel for bottom tier um, villains, I think it's hard to do much better than. Paste Pot Pete, and Dr. Bong.
1: Oh, I was wondering who you were talking about. Yeah. Like, there were so many of them I forgot about. like
0: Dr. Bong, who's called Dr. Bong because he has a giant bell for a helmet. And bells go bong. Wow. I forget whose book he originated in, but yeah, that's real.
1: Um, If we're talking about villains, can we just say how cute, like, Okra coming into the office is, and then he... Orca? Orca. Yeah. Okra. (laughs) Yeah. And (laughs) just how much, like, he tries to beat Otis up, and at the end, they're, like, all cuddled together, and Otis is, like, sucking his thumb, and it's probably one of the cuter, (laughs) one of my favorite panels.
0: Well, yeah, and of course, coming upon this scene, um... Think it's Yeah, so Colleen snaps a picture of that on her phone.
1: <laughs> it's, it's pretty awe-inducing. Aww.
0: <laughs> and it, I do kind of like that, basically, Orca comes in, looking for Misty and Colleen, just tries to beat up Otis until he tires himself out. And then when he wakes up, decides, yeah, okay, I guess we can be cool. <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. Yeah, they, they become buds. So, I've been putting it off. Oh, uh, okay.
0: Let's talk about the costuming and adjacent to that, the posing of some of these characters.
1: So yeah, basically, the panels are drawn and angled to emphasize their boobs, or if it's not their boobs, it's their butt. It's their butt, or the, or or in Colleen's case, her bare midriff. Uh huh. Um, I will say at one point they are also exploitative of Danny Rand and his pecs because he shows up and helps them out. Yeah. Um, and Danny Rand, for those of you who don't know, is Iron Fist. Um, and, yeah, they're always in these ridiculous tight spandex. But here's my theory because at first I was like, oh, we have, n- I can say nipples, right?
0: You can yes. I won't bleep you for saying nipples.
1: Okay, so their nipple outlines are constantly showing, and I'm like, well, if you're crime fighting and you're kicking butt, like, wouldn't you want a bra? But then I'm like, that spandex is probably pretty supportive and tight, so well, I'm gonna Misty give them the benefit of the doubt. There,
0: Misty also specifically acknowledges that she doesn't wear underwear. That's at one point. Oh,
1: she does. Here's what I will say for them: they put them. Insensible sneakers <laughs> and that is my that is like I was like you know what they are not in boots they have sensible sneakers Misty has expensive ones but she's very proud of them that she comments on them I appreciated that they were in sneakers um and yeah it's a it, other than that it's Absolutely ridiculous what they're wearing.
0: Yeah, I'm kind of of two minds on it overall. Because on the one hand, it is preposterous. And it is plainly cheesecake.
1: It is. And also, like... They'll go to meetings, like they're going to the hospital to meet one of the villain's like grandmothers, and they're in these outfits, and I'm like, huh, really? Or like, Rikadana is also scantily clad all the time. And that's I'm that's just, the like,
0: villainess. Thank you, because I could not remember her name.
1: And she also is like, I'm like, really, this is your professional wear. and
0: Yeah, okay, I'll come back to her. But what I was going to say is, on the other hand... I have to at the very least acknowledge, even though I think the book may be using it as a crutch or a excuse,
1: uh-huh.
0: these outfits and this posing is consistent with, with the vibe the book is going for.
1: I I understand. So that. unlike,
0: say, Witchblade. Which was asking to be taken seriously
1: at the same
0: time it that it was drawing characters like that. This. this knows better.
1: Though I will think, it, I do think it's funny that they make fun of the villains' costumes, and I'm like, you do realize what you two are wearing? But okay.
0: And I did check. Rickadonna actually has sensible sneakers as well.
1: Yes. So, good job. Sh- that said... Did, did you not notice the sensible sneakers? I, I thought I, it was very... I, I, was I like, mean, I, on s- them.
0: I saw them, but it didn't, like, click in my head. That said, Donna's introduction actually made me outright cringe. So, like, her, oh, her ninja fighting outfit... That, spoiler, because she has ninja skills, too. Of course she does. It's a <laughs> it's a Kung Fu blackploitation style thing. Everybody knows Kung Fu. But... Her when we first see her, she's in this. I'm, I'm gonna go with one tenth of a toga. <laughs> and I think and, that's accurate. And a visible, basically cage undergarment.
1: Uh-huh.
0: And she's this is at like a launch party that she's hosting. That that one, I honestly more than any other, is the one that makes me go, oh, come on that's it like she bounced back a bit for me as a villain a little bit later on when she's just on the phone
1: uh-huh. and
0: like a bunch of guys with guns come in she just lowers this bulletproof glass around her desk they they empty their clips and she says and she says on the phone listen i'm gonna have to call you back someone's trying to kill me and she then just blows all of them away i'm like okay see that worked but that I, that one tenth of a toga look not 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 so much,
1: yes, and it's also of note that, like I don't think anyone is smaller than like, say, I don't know, a double d, yeah, or minimum, yeah, yeah I would say f
0: mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, i I mean, Colleen's probably the most um,
1: yeah, she's gotta be a double d at least
0: yeah she she is the least chestily endowed.
1: <laughs> sure, let's go with that. but <laughs> okay. most midriff, midriffy. Yes, and, um,
0: lots and lots of midriff. Um so I I think it's a question of how forgiving you are of a tongue in cheek te- a tongue in cheek tone as a allowance to get away with stuff that in and of itself is a little bit uh, So I think your mileage may vary depending on how much of a pass you will give for for that kind of approach.
1: I mean, I think I, I agree with you. It helps that this this book does not take itself seriously. No. These characters do not, they do not take the villains they're fighting seriously, other than Rika Donna, I think.
0: They, they take her seriously, but like they... But,
1: but by then she's killed like three or four people, so yeah. Yeah, um,
0: they do not take the rest of these people they have to deal with seriously. I mean, they first thing we see them do is take down the rhino by driving a car into his head. So, you know...
1: There's a lot of car casualties in this one.
0: There is, yeah.
1: I mean, I... Having seen other... Having been given other books by you where it's <laughs> pretty scantily clad and exploitative. Um, I enjoyed this one, actually. Because I think I was more used to that and ready for that level of ridiculousness. I liked the main characters... Um, I liked all the ridiculous villains. That was kind of fun. It was a fun vibe. Um, I liked the humor of it. And um, yeah, I mean, again, it's not my favorite, but I enjoyed it. It was a quick fun read. Oh, and I will say like the exposition dump of like the backstory um, caused me to tell you I was like reading it because it's like, here's what's happened to these characters. And, you know, how they've teamed up with such and such. And here's their backstory. And, you know, this was when they died. And this is who they fought. And, <laughs> like, I was like, so basically comics are the masculine version of soap operas. Yes. Uh-huh. Ye- yes. That's what I found out from the reading the back two pages. And I was like, yep, okay.
0: Yeah. <laughs> uh- <clears throat> apologies people that that we have a dog that's now coughing into the mic thanks Orion thanks a lot buddy Uh, we're we're
1: dog sitting yes yeah
0: so but but yes I I would actually call that accurate much like your average soap opera pretty much everyone has died and come back and has an evil twin Mm -hmm. so yeah um yeah, no, I did enjoy this. And I did, and it's also worth pointing out is, unlike most of the trade collections we have, this volume is a complete story,
1: mm-hmm.
0: start to finish. It doesn't end on a to-be-continued, we-have-only-just-begun note. I don't... I appreciated I, so it. I, I
1: like the full circle of that they... Um, you know, had to chase after what is his name? Rhino. The rhino. The rhino again in the car, and it looks like you know, Colleen's gonna wreck Misty's new car once again. I like the little.
0: <laughs> like so, I don't know if this was an segment. ongoing or done as a mini series. Um, given that it doesn't say volume one, I'm gonna assume this was a mini. Mm-hmm. But it's it's a it's a it's a fun volume. Again, provided you, you roll with the very tongue-in-cheek
1: elements the mind, of the yeah. thing.
0: Yeah, but if you can roll with it, I think it's a good time. Mm-hmm. So uh, we're going to we'll, we'll put that one to bed, and we will be back in a little bit with listener
1: feedback. To confront the ultimate killers, I must construct the ultimate alias.
0: Ah! Hey, who is that lady? I think she can fly.
1: To combat the murderers who destroy my family, crush my own life on their way to consuming everything, I must become a greater, more fearsome destroyer. Ah! Ah, Hey, man, somebody killed this lady. To track down the animals who prey on the innocent, I must stalk them first. I am no longer their quarry. I am the Huntress. New Huntress
0: podcast coming to you in 2019. Visit thehuntress89.blogspot.com for new episodes. Go to the Facebook page at Huntress Podcasts. Go to Twitter, The Huntress Podcasts. And you can always find episodes of The Huntress Podcast at writeonnetwork.com. And go to Apple iTunes, where this podcast is a joint venture with the Helena Bertinelli Podcast, and the Cassandra Cain Batgirl Podcast. So go to Apple Podcasts, the Batgirl slash Huntress Podcast. Hey, folks, and we're back with listener feedback, I hope. I'm it's distinctly possible that somebody left a comment on an older episode and cuz I feel like I got an alert on that but I can't remember what one it is now. So if that was you, feel free to, you know, just smack me upside the head over social media and be like, "Hey, it was me." And we'll,
1: we'll go back and read it. Maybe. We'll do
0: we'll do it next time. Yeah. So, on the previous episode, which was on oh, God <laughs> sake. Oh, <this> talk. <laughs> Which was on DC Bombshells Volume 1 and listed, we have one comment in two parts uh, from Tim Price. Hi, Liz and Nathaniel. I just finished reading this graphic novel today. I'm not sure how I feel about it. Which was the vibe I got from your show as well. (laughs) Oh, good... (laughs)
1: You're going to have to do
0: some editing. I'm not. I'm going to leave it in because I'm <laughs> lazy.
1: Oh, wow. Okay.
0: Um, you both described many ups and downs of this book, and that's what I came away with, too. The art was great sometimes, others not my taste, but the switching of style was disconcerting enough to detract from the good ones. The characters and the costume designs overall were wins for me. No surprise, since the statues were such a success. Yeah, DC Bombshells is like a, became a big merchandise thing with, like, specially done, specially done you know, statuettes and all kinds. And we mentioned, like, they're really big with cosplayers.
1: Yeah, we've had some friends that have cosplayed as them. And it was nice to finally see what they were referencing.
0: Uh, Tim continues, I do love me some baseball, so I'm a pushover for the Batwoman look. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's a riot that her gimmick is more baseball-themed than bat-themed. No batarangs at all. And Amanda Waller... Uh, I will not gainsay other people, but for me, she's at her best plus size and short. So that was awesome. You and I, I wholeheartedly agree, Tim, very much. I, I <sighs> the, the skinny version that they've been pushing in more recent years just annoys me. Uh, but I must be losing my touch. In this, uh, in this Elseworlds kind of setting, I should be better at recognizing alternate... <laughs> versions of characters <laughs> but except for the obvious ones how barda uh kiyomi hoshi well she's obvious to me i don't even know who that was um that i happened. i was lost on brother knight and general kaloon at least i recognized uh general arcane at as swamp things antagonist anton arcane oh well i you you caught more than i did tim let's be fair Constantine, as a buddy, is fantastic. Mm -hmm. That's a keeper. Really good episode of My Punchers till next time. And then he remembers something else that he meant to say. You want to take that one?
1: Oh, Shazbot. One last thing, I promise. Zombies. I must be the only comic reader who doesn't care for zombies. Having the big plan be Nazi zombies? Ugh.
0: I'm, I'm kind of with, like... I'm not saying I'm not gonna say there's nothing left to be done with zombies, but I do think we've hit a point where just going and now with zombies, like I don't care.
1: I think actually, now that I think about, it, I like zombies in general, but I think I don't particularly like them in comics. It's one of the least effective. Formats, formats.
0: Zombies. Honestly, it is odd to me that they are in comics as much because they really are much better suited to a visual audio medium. Because you kind of like you
1: need the shamble, you need the shamble, you, uh... you
0: need the moan, you need you need a yeah.
1: It's I. It's
0: not that they're totally I ineffective in mean I comics, just... but.
1: And I also need some kind of slant to zombies at this point, too. Like, I stopped watching The Walking Dead after the second or third season.
0: You got farther than I did. I
1: did read the first um, collection, the big volume um, of Walking Dead, too. I did not. There's a lot of issues I have with it. Um, But at this point, I like my zombies in with some like some kind of twist. Yeah. So I like warm bodies. Um, and I like um I zombie is what I'm watching right now, which is procedural with zombies. Yeah. Like I I guess
0: it didn't bother me in DC bomb shows because I felt like it's not that the threat was oh Nazi zombies. It was these are the um reaching out into our world of whatever the heck this demonic entity was. So, mm-hmm. like, I saw them more as foot soldiers than, like, the actual legitimate threat. And also, okay. I get I guess they made a lot of sense tactically because if you can make your dead soldiers keep fighting, that's, that's a heck of a battlefield advantage. Now, that's not me, like, totally excusing the use of zombies, but I guess it didn't bother me here as much as it might otherwise... Um, you know, when they just kind of turn up in other things. Because I am I am with you. The, and actually, I'll get... They in,
1: are kind of overused.
0: They like are them. overused. And I'll get into arguments with people. I'll be like, oh, these are just zombies. But like, no, they're not. They're not undead. And I'm like, no, I don't care what they technically are. They are functioning the same as zombies. So that... Maybe that's why I was okay with this. Because at least in that first volume,
1: mm-hmm.
0: yeah, they're zombies, but they're not yet being used functionally and narratively like zombies and that's actually what i'm more tired of as opposed to just zombies as a thing it's more they almost always get used the same way or they substitute something in and claim oh it's not a zombie but it's clearly they're using them like zombies and that actually bugs me way more so i guess i'm more tired of them narratively than i than i am like just as a creature
1: okay
0: if that makes any sense at all a little i think so (laughs) well you're you're biased in my favor because you've heard me rant often enough you can probably decode
1: me yeah I can start decoding it it's true
0: Uh. (laughs) okay so we're gonna wrap it up there folks we oh we did decide what we're doing next we
1: did we're doing Smile by Raina Telgemeier um Mainly because we had a copy of
0: it. <laughs> well, we did have a copy of it. And also, like, we've done now super, superhero-ish them. stuff a few times in a row. And yeah, uh, trade-ish. Yeah, we, we, we did two in a row for that. And it's it's time to take a break and uh, do something distinctly non-superhero-y.
1: And also not, like, a team-up either because we've done two sort of... I guess it's it wasn't a big team-up for Daughters of the Dragon, but...
0: No, it's still. We yeah. But, uh, so we'll we'll get back to some middle school, grade school? I
1: think it's middle school.
0: Middle school drama next Your time. favorite. Next time with Smile, so. It's uh,
1: a big one in the publishing industry. It's oh, I,
0: I know, so, oh, I know. and
1: I haven't read it yet, so I Well, good.
0: it's funny, it's, it's actually come up on the network because when um, other members of the network i think rob kelly brings this up or maybe it's shag but i'm going to give credit to rob because i don't want to give shag credit for anything um it's (laughs) um it gets brought up that the comics industry would look healthier than it does if they counted everything but the thing is the people who are tracking you know quote unquote comics sales don't count stuff Like, Raina Telgemeier and stuff sold through Scholastic, despite the fact that that stuff outsells almost all the superhero stuff that's out there. So, like, Mm -hmm. the industry, if it was truly monitored as a whole, is much healthier than the actual tracking, which is just for monthly sales numbers of, you know, DC, Image, and Marvel, mainly. And that is really not reflective of the true state of the industry because the people who do the numbers are tied to that end of the business and they don't want to acknowledge that stuff like Smile completely eats their lunch. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: So, there you go. I vaguely tied it into the sort of stuff that goes on elsewhere on the network. Woo, cross-promotion, maybe? I don't know. (laughs) Thanks, every, thanks for humoring me. I'm going with it, yeah. <laughs> thanks, everybody, for tuning in. Uh, so we'll see you in a month. <laughs> yeah. Bye. Bye. Hopefully without the dog this time. Oh my God. Tough Like a Girl is a Council of Geeks production and a presentation of the Fire & Water Podcast Network. Feedback can be left at fireandwaterpodcast.com or on the Facebook page for Fire & Water Podcasts and... Council of Geeks. Our logo art was created by Nick Buxom, and our theme music is composed and performed by Erica Dreisbach, whose other works can be found at ericarecardo.com. Bye!